So welcome, 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 so welcome, welcome to, to No Stupid, stupid Questions. Hello, stupid everybody. This week's welcome, welcome, welcome. It's for real. It's for real. With T-Leak like, and Jack. Rah, rah, like a dungeon What's up? No, no <laughs> specific <laughs> order. I love No Stupid <laughs> Questions show. <laughs> Can we curse on the show? Do whatever it's we feel. Okay. Time is a question for today. No. Wow, wow, All right. Stupid. So, question. No stupid questions. No stupid questions. Welcome to this episode. Of <laughs> Our first question is, who are you? No stupid questions. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of No Stupid Questions. We have entered December 2020, and this is T Leak. And we have. Jag, what's happening, people? <laughs> December 2020. That sounds good. Yes. Get this year over with. No Stupid Questions, the show where you have two smart people <laughs> and one stupid question, or so we thought. All right, all right, all right. All right, what question are we going to hit him with today? So the question for today, we got Georgia on our minds today. Oh, all right. You going to sing? No. Okay. I can find some Ray Charles to put on. Um, Is is Georgia the current beacon for U.S. politics? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) All right, people, that's the end of the show. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, you what's your what's your take on that? And, so, and let's just 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 for everybody's clear. I mean, I look at Georgia as the beacon because it's re, it's a reflection of a lot of things that are going on. And also some of the decisions made here, I think, are going to have a ripple effect uh, nationwide. So I think it is a beacon. And, and maybe I'm also biased because I'm in Atlanta. <laughs> right, right, right. So initially, I was going to say no, uh, it is not. And that's because I'm thinking of Georgia as a, not like most states in the United States, and therefore not like uh, the rest of the country. Oh, tell me more about that. I'm living here. I'm like, it's not like the rest of the states. You know, it has the great city of Atlanta, which is every state doesn't have a city like Atlanta. So I think that makes it special in, in some regards. And, you know, you almost had a black female governor in the last gubernatorial election in Georgia. So that makes it a, a, a place very unlike almost any other place in America. So from that standpoint, I was thinking, oh, I can't be a beacon because it's too different. But I guess I'm gonna have to go with yes, but we may have different reasons as to why we both say yes. Okay, because I, I would say, interestingly enough, some of the things that you highlighted are further proof to me that it is a beacon. So for instance, with Stacey Abrams, and I, you know, I don't um, follow enough of the local politics in a lot of the other states to say whether or not black women have run for governors of states. So I, I apologize for my lack of knowledge there. But I think that just the fact that she ran and was competitive I think is one of those things that highlights where we are, um, because I think, you know, what you saw in 2018 was definitely a lot of women running for political office more so than, 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 as I understand, we had historic numbers. And, and I think, you know, when you talk about women becoming more competitive, I think there, 
there is that element. Uh, but I think that similar to Barack Obama, I mean, I have to be honest, I was surprised when he got elected because I honestly didn't think that the country was ready. I was right that the country wasn't ready, but <laughs> he, he got in there. Um, so I think, yeah, I think, I think that actually, to me, is, is, is proof positive that Atlanta is a beacon in some of its exceptionalism, but I think that that, is, that, that exceptionalism is gonna trickle down for the good and the bad of the exceptional, so. Okay, so first of all, I think Stacey Abrams easily was the, I can't say she was the first competitive black female candidate, but if there's two, there's not three. So I think she is, she is in, she is in rarefied air from that standpoint. So let's talk more about why, about why they're the beacon. All right. And let me just, I, I'm going to, I just looked up beacon. So the, the, the Google Oxford definition of beacon is a fire or light set up in a high or prominent position as a warning signal or celebration. Okay. So for good or for bad, it is a, an indicator. Right. So you look to that beacon to understand what's, what's going on and what you should do <laughs> potentially. Right, right. So, so yeah, so tell me some more about your, uh, or you want me to? I, I wanted you to go first, but since you oh, um, threw it back door. to me, I'll, 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 I'll jump in. Okay. So there's some disturbing things that are going on in Georgia that I hope are, are not telling of the future of, of America. First of all, Georgia is very active as far as, I don't know if you call them militias or mm. radical groups, but, but Georgia is, is active. And some people would say they're active on, on both sides um, as far as racist groups and groups that have formed to combat racist groups, however you wanna, wanna define those. So from that standpoint, people have, have thought that Georgia was a prime place for some violence to break out. So, so that, that obviously is a, a something that no one wants to see. And hopefully that is not something that will be replicated in other states in the United States. So the beacon there hopefully well, is don't go down that road, but go okay, ahead. Okay, but you know that that is one of a few states. There was, a, I know that um, Trevor Noah had a show on, he basically kind of talked about the history of militias. Uh, you know, it, it was something where there was a report recently, but prior to, just prior to the election that warned that Georgia and four other states were at high risk for activity by armed groups. And so the militias are definitely building in more than just Georgia. So I wouldn't say Georgia is exceptional in that. Um, I believe the other states they mentioned were Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Oregon. So interestingly enough, a lot of the ones that they thought would be, you know, battleground states. So, you know, I think that this is, again, Georgia is one of the probably lead states in this effort, but it's not exceptional. So again, it could be, you know, a, a signal for what to look out for um, based on what happens, especially over the next few weeks, like leading up to the runoff elections for the Senate. Yeah, so I guess um, I, I don't argue with that. I guess my perception is that the difference in Georgia may be that there are militias on both sides. Because I know oh. there are some strong groups of anti-Black and there are some strong Black groups who have formed and are ready to defend themselves if anything jumps off. I'm not sure that's the case in- You know, Killer Mike's down here, so he's well-armed. <laughs> 
Well, he's not the only one. He's about that. I know. Well, let me tell you, my cousin's got at least four guns, and he's he's thinking of expanding his collection. So yeah. Right, and and I just my tell you, I know black. I know some good some brothers in in Atlanta who, if they were down to four guns, they would they they would they would be very upset. They got some armed people in in Georgia on both sides of of, of the fence, and I think that's that does make Georgia a little unique. Okay. Um, okay. I I can I don't know about that. So yes, that's that's possible. Yeah, so I guess what I'm saying is, don't nobody really want nothing to jump off in Georgia because it ain't gonna be no easy fight either way. I, I guess another, but, but but there's a positive. I think I've seen a positive development coming out of Georgia. Oh, okay. Um, which I actually hope is a beacon, and people learn from and emulate in other parts of the country. You know, Georgia, the current president claims that he lost in Georgia because there was a lot of fraud and, and wrongdoings in the election process. The interesting thing there is election process is governed and run by Republicans, mm -hmm. uh, which should be his allies. And, you know, some people say the governor is in office because he was the secretary of state just prior to him being the governor. Mm -hmm. And he mm -hmm. kind of made sure that he won that gubernatorial campaign. Mm. But in response to President Trump, these Republicans in Georgia said, no, no wrongdoing happened here. You lost, accept that you lost and move on. And that is very different than what some Republicans in some other places are doing. Uh, I think everywhere they know that he lost, but some people are just playing the party line of saying, well, there, there might've been fraud. But I, now I guess we I have some here. We have oh, some vocal. Well, you do, because you have some senators who are in yeah. races. The two senators that could be the, the you know, the, the, the tilting of the balance and another beacon of of what, what you know, might be happening um, at the national level. Right, right. So so you do have some that are towing the, I call it the party line, but I, I guess I'm happy to see that some people are being nonpartisan and saying what, yes. what happened yes. is fair and we just have to accept it. So, so I, I like that happening in Georgia and that's not happening everywhere. Yes, that is a good beacon. And I, I, I actually, so I agree with you on that. I think that there is a rift in the Republican party. I mean, whether you say it's, you know, sort of down the middle or, you know, there's sort of this sort of minority within the party that is, is, is still, is, 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 has kind of conceded right. <laughs> to presidential election being won by Joe Biden. So I think that that, that rift um, Georgia is is right now, you know, kind of a bit of a beacon for that, and I think people are looking to how how that's going to resolve itself ultimately, in, in especially with this runoff election coming up, because there is a there is you know kind of the Secretary of State, the all of the election officials that's sort of they've been kind of almost ostracized by some of the other members of the party here in, in terms of you know wanting to basically being on different sides of uh, where we where they are with the valid the validity of the election results so I think that is going to be it's going to be an interesting thing that happens and I think it, it reflects the the broader sort of challenges that the Republican Party has right now so what concerns you coming out of Georgia you, you're sitting there what do, what are you seeing that that you, you you prefer not to see or, or what are you seeing that you wish you see more of yeah, I, I think to, to add on to your militia point, I think one of the things that has has been a big part of the rift when the Republican Party here is the violence, the threats, 
so I should say the threats of violence uh, against Republican Party members by folks within the party. So, you know, threats to get the governor, the secretary of state to decertify, to, you know, invalidate the voting results. And so I think that 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 sort of militia combined with, you know, kind of this this rift around election is is really, really it's troubling, but it's also interesting to see, you know, what happens. In fact, I, I was uh, listening to some, uh, Stephen Colbert, <laughs> uh, and he was talking about the, the fact that there is such a rift in the Republican Party that there are people that are saying they, you know, some of the electorate who are like, why should I vote if it's rigged? Because that's what the message that we're getting is that these elections are all rigged. So if that's the case, then why vote? Why donate? Why, you know, why even play this game? And the sad thing is that, you know, the, the backup to that could be, again, the militia solution, but it could also mean that that just clears the path for the Democrats to, 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 to win, in all honesty. Um, so again, that'll be an interesting development to see what happens as a result of that. And, you know, moving forward, I think this question of election validity is also something that, of course, is being questioned across the board nationally now. And I, I think that, you know, Georgia is is unique to your point, but also, as we said, sort of a predictor and a beacon, because what happens with this runoff is going to be one of the first major contests after all of this brouhaha about sort of doubts about our democracy, right? And whether or not voting works or and whether or not the system is rigged and all that. So it's going to be the first major contest, um, these runoffs, these Senate runoffs, U.S. Senate runoffs, that will be a test of how people react to what was effectively just, I mean, and is still effectively sort of chaos around the belief in our system of, of, of voting. So, so anyway, so that's, that's oh, so, uh, okay, and I'll, I'll add one more thing to my beacon comment. I think that, and you mentioned it because you said that there were militias on both sides. I think that how the, you know, whether you call it the liberals, whether you talk about, you know, communities of color, there was a lot of stepping up for the presidential election and there is a proven drop off, right? After the presidential elections for some of these runoffs and things like that. So will that happen again? And I think it, it, it will be an indicator of the momentum that has been established. And, and like I said, because this election is one of the first sort of major elections after what we've seen in, in November, I think it will be interesting to see if the momentum continues. And of course, you know, with time, momentum always fades, um, but I think it will be an interesting judgment of that. And, and, and I do believe that actually, you know, Georgia is, when you look at the, the map, when you look at these sort of spots of blue, that actually also is sort of mirroring what we see in the United States overall, which is that there's a, a lot of red and then there's these hot spots of blue. And urban areas, right. Those urban areas. And so it, it, is, it is very, very similar here in Georgia. So again, it reflects, you know, how, how much can the people in those areas kind of, especially those densely populated areas, kind of overcome the, the, the maybe sort of, you know, kind of other areas that are disproportionately represented. So, yeah. 
time. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And I know on the last show, I got into a little debate with some of our callers about the data. And we need to really get the data before we can analyze mm -hmm. these races. And I'm still hold to that because I still think the data is preliminary in a lot of places. But the preliminary data says that Black voter participation in Georgia actually went down this time. And Biden's win in Georgia was not due to increased Black turnout, but it was due to increased um, white turnout in the areas right at the suburban areas right around the urban areas. Mm. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see that data firm up and, and we really understand what happened there. If that's the case, then obviously I'm not happy with the trend of Black turnout being being less than or, or not increasing as much as as other people's turnout. Um, that's something we need to need to focus on and and, and make sure that we turn out. Well, you know, I, I it'd be nice to be in the ninety percent range like we were right after Reconstruction, but I understand that times are different. Um, but maybe they shouldn't be. So we 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 need we need to work on that. I, I guess the other interesting thing about politics, and and I guess all of this is politics. And going back to Stacey Abrams, I think she proved something in the election that I was happy to see. There's a lot of money spent in elections, yeah. and a lot of money is spent going on TV during elections. And I and I know the TV networks love it because they get rich this time these times of the year. But what we really saw was that it's ground games that make the difference in elections. It's really knocking on doors and getting mm -hmm. people out to canvas these areas, which Stacey Abrams did a uh, masterful job of in Georgia. And, yeah. and, and that's probably, and that is why Biden won Georgia's because her ground game and the ground game that she put together after, after losing the gubernatorial race, she dedicated herself to, to making sure that they were in place to do this. And, and I was happy to see that. I, I have worked in various campaigns over the years. And I've always had this argument about where you should spend your money. And, and, and I think some of this kind of, it's, it's always good when, when you see something that kind of supports your arguments. Uh, but hmm. I think it, it really shows that what you really have to do if you wanna win an election is you really have to knock doors and you really have to recruit people to knock doors for you. Um, and so I, I hope that's something that you know, people pick up on and, and, and do as opposed to wasting a lot of money on TV. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that's, that's, that is interesting. I think that you're absolutely right. I think that um, the model that Stacey used, and I think because of the, the success of her gubernatorial run, people actually did pick up on that. And, uh, and I think she was looked to as, as a, a, a successful model in that she, she came so close, especially in a state that is, is traditionally so, so Republican. So yeah, that is, that is actually interesting. I, I hadn't really thought about that. And I think that is something to take moving forward. I think that the, the, the strategies, it is interesting to also think about, I, I don't know much about the strategies that you know, each of the parties uses in order to rally their base I, I do know that the Democrats have struggled, um, especially to get them out to vote. So to your point, I think that's something to really examine because that's that's really the, the that's the measure because that's gonna be how you ultimately can affect the changes and, and, and get, your, get your people in there, so. Right, right. 
and you know, is is I think we learn, and this is not a this is not a Georgia lesson. I, I'm I'm flipping to Texas where I live, uh, but I think we learned something in Texas this time around. Everyone was, you know, how how can how can Trump, who waged war on Mexico, and wants this border wall and treated the immigrants the way he treated them, how could he win? The Latino vote that he won in Texas, and everyone was wondering how, how is that possible. But if you look at what happened in West Texas, the Republicans did a great job of picking up on some sound bites from both Biden and Harris about them shutting down oil drilling in the, in the state, fracking in the state, and you know people who have sixty thousand dollar, hundred thousand dollar a year jobs, they wanted to protect those jobs. And you have a lot of that in West Texas, and a lot of those people are, are Latino. And so they voted to keep their jobs as opposed to voting to stop the person who has these immigration policies that, that were against their interests. And I think the Democrats just didn't understand what was the most important message to those voters in Texas. Uh, I can't explain Florida. I don't know what happened in Florida, but that's what happened in Texas. So, so yeah, so you have to analyze. You do have to analyze and you have to understand and all politics is local. What works on the national level won't necessarily work in, in Georgia or in Texas or in Louisiana. You have to speak to the voters that you want to want to want to secure, and the Democrats need to do a better job of that. Yeah, and, and I think that you know it's interesting because of course we're talking about Georgia as a beacon, and obviously Georgia is, I mean it has its as we've talked about its 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 unique parts, right. <laughs> and. It's exceptional in some ways. And as you said, local politics is always local. At the same time, you know, I think that what we're seeing in the country today, especially, I don't know, our current context is just so, I mean, I think there's a, there's a lot of eyes on Georgia right now. I mean, for obvious reasons, because it has such a potentially um, tide changing role in, uh, well, it, ha it will have a tie changing role, it's just what, right. what, what it could it potentially be uh, in, you know, whether or not the, the president has a, a Senate and a House, uh, you know, sort of unified portions of, of government. So I, I think that there is, and then, you know, with social media and everything, there's just so much that it, well, well, let me say that actually social media has kind of changed how local things are because they're not as much in, in their local bubbles. And I think that is something that will affect us, you know, moving forward with a lot of these critical races. And I hope that people will, after this, because this is this is so, as I said, tide changing, but I hope that people will continue to, you know, will maintain their interest in understanding what's going on and what maybe, you know, Texas senators are up for re-election and, 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 you know, so that, it, it does not become just about local in that, because uh, I my understanding is that there were people from outside states, you know, including with Stacey Abrams, you know, thing, people who did phone calls and et cetera. Right. So it really people helped because right. they knew what role Georgia was playing and is playing. So, so yes, yeah, so I think it's interesting because I think, like you said, politics will always have a local aspect, but I think social media and just our overall technology has really kind of leveled that field and made it so that these local politics and how they play at the national level is much more, people are much more aware of that. So. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the world is changing. It used to be that um, 
My, my mother ran for office first time 30 years ago. When you had a phone bank, you used to get a phone book and go through the phone book. It wasn't really the phone book because you got the phone numbers from the register of voters. But you used to go down there and make phone calls to, to people and ask them to vote. As you said, now, it's, first of all, you, there's no need to do that. You can do robocalls. But also, you can have people from all across the country, anyone who wants to volunteer, uh, mm-hmm. make phone calls to Georgia voters, for example, or even make texts mm-hmm. to Georgia mm-hmm. voters. Oh, don't um, I know it. Whew, yeah, I, I know get people get tired text, of seeing texts, so, but oh my um, gosh. it's amazing that you can have impact from all over the country in, in, a, in a local election. Yeah, the world, the world has changed. If, so people who are interested in these upcoming elections, you can, you can, you don't have to just send a, a check. Part. You yeah, can play you a can, part yeah. in, in various ways and you should yeah, play a part. Uh, yeah. So just, just to be clear, what, what T-League said, uh, what's on the line in Georgia is do you have a Senate that's going to be obstructionist like they were with President Obama and be against everything that, that he tried to put forward? Or are you going to have a Senate that will, by a very slim majority, allow the president to do what, what he thinks needs to be done. So that's what's on the line. It's important. Do we have two years of just all out gridlock or do we have some participation and cooperation? See, now you brought something up that maybe another show, as I always like to say. We're going to have to start doing these shows daily. <laughs> the No Stupid Questions I, Daily Show. Yes. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <All right. laughs> So Trevor Noah might not be happy because of the Daily Show, but I don't think we're gonna give him. A but we can't do his accent. So. <laughs> so I was just thinking about, you know, you're talking about the election and and what people can do and and the the, the real the Senate and you talked about obstructionist, and I had to work my way back there. I was like, what did what did he say? What was I gonna pick up? <laughs> so one of the things that I actually heard Obama speak about this in an interview. He was talking about how, you know, most of the electorate doesn't really understand. They see the president and the president, you know, is this single figure really that seems like, okay, well, then you need to get this stuff done. Right. But they need to understand that that is the reason why our government is the way it is, right? I mean, we have, for those who don't know the branches, because I heard that's an issue for some Congress people, which is even more sad. That's scary. <laughs> yes. They, and they are supposed to be independent. They are supposed to check each other, right? Don't forget checks and balances. I know civic education is, is, is somewhat slacking these days, but you've got the legislative, you know, your Senate and your house, and then you've got your executive, and then you've got your judicial Supreme Court. And right now the Supreme Court is leaning. And, and the Supreme Court is, is a perfect example, though, of how it was more than obstruction. It was actually... Um, you know, when Barack Obama did not get the nomination capability, he wasn't even able to sort of nominate and get it vetted, get his uh, Merrick Garland uh, vetted with the Senate. That was that was a block, you know, and right. I think obstruction, I guess I think of, and a lot of people think of, oh, okay, well, they can put up blocks in the road, but, you know, that's up to the president to clear them. Well, you know, depending on how set those members of the Senate are, and really the Senate more so than the House, people need to understand that that can actually create real lock jam. Um, is that the word I'm looking for? Gridlock. Gridlock. Thank you. I was like lock jam. That's not as nice. That sounds like a, 
as <laughs> I don't know, food or whatever, <laughs> it will create gridlock where things don't move. Things will not get done. And I think we are at this point where whether you look at the pandemic and that things need to be done and done quickly, uh, or you look at our economy and having that bounce back, people are hurting, people are being evicted, things are expiring at the end of this year that have protected people. Um, so we're going to start to see some real fallout in 2021. So I think, you know, again, and that's another reason why I guess I would say George is going to be a beacon because whether or not we have and an obstructionist, what did I say, <laughs> gridlocking legislative branch and the Senate in particular is going to make a difference in terms of how quickly we can really recover from right. what we've experienced here in 2020. So I, I, I think to those who are, you know, kind of on the fence, um, I would say, I think we need to try something different uh, because we are in, I, I think we are in a crisis, right? I mean, people have gotten kind of used to the pandemic, but we're in a crisis. And so I, I think it is worth <laughs> trying even for, you know, <laughs> at least two years, right? You got some people who will be expiring and something different where we have another unified body that can move quickly and, and get some things done. To, to try to address some of the issues that we're that we have now and are going to I think get even more extreme serious impactful in uh, 2021 right and and you know the checks and balances are good uh, we we don't want a yes. dictatorship we don't want to elect a president and allow him or her to do whatever they want to do at will so the checks and balances are good but once President Obama's situation was a perfect example the opposing side just said, I'm going to not let him do anything he wants to do. They didn't say, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Or does this help the American people? They just said, we're going to block anything that he tries to do. And that is not what the founding fathers were thinking of when they set up the, the three branches of government. And, and we can't and we, say what they were thinking of, but we think that that's not what they were thinking of. Correct. <laughs> I'm I wasn't just, there. So. <laughs> we weren't. I wasn't there either. And, and I wouldn't have been let, allowed in the room anyway if I was there. <laughs> I was serving the You could have served some coffee. Exactly. <laughs> they won't be serving the tea, though. <laughs> they got surprises. But anyway. Oh, founding fathers, here's your coffee. <laughs> right. <laughs> Drink up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Rebellious so. soul that you were. So. I think we we are in agreement. We've got some some different points that I think we're complementary in all honesty. And I think that I think look for at least in the next month for Georgia to be somewhere that the nation is looking to understand how things are moving forward. So if you're interested, and I hope that you are, we hope that you are, you know, do what you can to ensure that we make our voices heard. Uh, and that's on both sides. Um, we, we, you know, the integrity of our elections, it has been questioned um, with the previous election, and this is going to be a, a major test of how we can, can come back from that and continue to have um, a consistent and meaningful voting process. That's right. I mean, and we, you know, people may be able to guess where we lean sometimes, uh, but I think we've always been consistent with saying that what we want is the highest amount of participation by everybody. The, the democracy works best 
and every single person expresses their opinion and we come to some consensus. And until we get there without anyone questioning the validity of it or whether or not there was fraud, we have some work to do. So. Well, and, I, and, and just to, to actually continue with that sort of nonpartisan thing, there, we don't want, we investigate where there seems to be issues, but don't create ghosts in the room in order to, um, to just negate something that you don't, you know, we, we right. all have to accept our, our lumps, you know, right. our losses. And, and so don't, don't create things just because things aren't, you know, really try to see through your, your, your lens that you may have put on, you know, your rosy colored lens, hoping, 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 and really look at the reality of, of the situation. And, and sometimes you win, sometimes you lose in these that's things. Right. That's how, that's how the elections are set up. So you have that's to go with the works. will of the people and, and that all our elections, we should, you know, make sure, ensure that they have integrity, but not challenge them once they've been validated. Right. So Georgia, it's on our minds. It's a beacon. All eyes are on it. So for those of you who don't know, Ray Charles' song, Georgia On My Mind. She's going to sing it for you. I'm, right gonna, I'm, I'm not going to sing it. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take you out with a little, a little ditty. Ray Charles, Georgia on my mind. Maybe I will sing. <laughs> Georgia, Georgia. I think we better end this show. <laughs> Georgia. No stupid questions. You can ask any question that you want, or don't ask no stupid ass questions. <laughs>